You can't be neutral on the moving train. I told y'all before. You can't believe everything that your teacher tell you. Who was your teacher? Your teacher just learned what they was taught. How do you know what they was taught was correct? And that was an excerpt from Writings on Disobedience and Democracy by Vinnie Paz. Welcome to You Can't Be Neutral, a political podcast inspired by Howard Zinn and progressive and radical activism, taking a look at society, media, and politics. If you want to check out back episodes, you can go to youcan'tbeneutral.com, where you'll find links to all the back episodes. You'll find a link there to send me a message, and also a link there to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. This podcast is the third part of a three-part series. This is part three of the application instituting proceedings in the name of the Republic of South Africa against the State of Israel, pursuant to Article 41 that South Africa submitted to the International Court of Justice. Part four, the claims of South Africa. Based on the above, as well as the further evidence to be presented over the course of these proceedings, South Africa considers that the conduct of Israel, through its state organs, state agents, and other persons and entities acting on its instructions or under its directions, control, or influence, in relation to Palestinians in Gaza, is in violation of its obligations under the Genocide Convention, including Articles 1, 3, 4, 5, and 6, read in conjunction with Article 2. Those violations of the Genocide Convention include, but are not limited to, a. Failing to prevent genocide in violation of Article 1, b. Committing genocide in violation of Article 3, c conspiring to commit genocide in violation of Article 3b. d. Direct and public incitement to commit genocide in violation of Article 3c. e. Attempting to commit genocide in violation of Article 3d. f. Complicity in genocide in violation of Article 3e. g. Failing to punish genocide, conspiracy to commit genocide, direct and public incitement to genocide, attempted genocide, and complicity in genocide, in violation of Articles 1, 3, 4, and 6. H. Failing to enact the necessary legislation to give effect to the provisions of the Genocide Convention and to provide effective penalties for persons guilty of genocide, conspiracy to commit genocide, incitement to genocide, attempted genocide, and complicity in genocide, in violation of Article 5, and I, failing to allow and or directly or indirectly impeding the investigation by competent international bodies or fact-finding missions of genocidal acts committed against Palestinians in Gaza, including those Palestinians removed by Israeli state agents or forces to Israel, as a necessary and corollary obligation, pursuant to Articles 1, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Section 5. The Relief Sought 
while reserving the right to revise, supplement, or amend this application, and subject to the presentation to the court of the relevant evidence and legal arguments, South Africa respectfully requests the court to adjudge and declare, one, that the Republic of South Africa and the State of Israel each have a duty to act in accordance with their obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the members of the Palestinian group to take all reasonable measures within their power to prevent genocide, and, two, that the State of Israel, a, has breached and continues to breach its obligations under the Genocide Convention, in particular the obligations provided under Article 1, read in conjunction with Article 2, and Articles 3a, 3b, 3c, 3d, 3e, 4, 5, and 6. b. Must cease forthwith any acts and measures in breach of those obligations, including such acts or measures which would be capable of killing or continuing to kill Palestinians, or causing or continuing to cause serious bodily or mental harm to Palestinians, or deliberately inflicting on their group, or continuing to inflict on their group, conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part and fully respect its obligations under the Genocide Convention, in particular the obligations provided under Articles 1, 3a, b, c, d, and e, 4, 5, and 6. c. Must ensure that persons committing genocide, conspiring to make, commit genocide, directly and publicly inciting genocide, attempting to commit genocide, and complicit in genocide, contrary to Articles 1, 3a, b, c, d, and e, are punished by a competent national or international tribunal as required by Articles 1, 4, 5, and 6. d. To that end and in furtherance of those obligations arising under Articles 1, 4, 5, and 6, must collect and conserve evidence and ensure, allow, and or not inhibit directly or indirectly the collection and conservation of evidence of genocidal acts committed against Palestinians in Gaza, including such members of the group displaced from Gaza. E. Must perform the obligations of reparation in the interests of Palestinian victims, including, but not limited to allowing the safe and dignified return of forcibly displaced and or abducted Palestinians to their homes, respect for their full human rights, and protection against further discrimination, persecution, and other related acts, and provide for the reconstruction of what it has destroyed in Gaza, consistent with the obligation to prevent genocide under Article 1 and F must offer assurances and guarantees of non-repetition of violations of the Genocide Convention, in particular the obligations provided under Articles 1, 3a, 3b, 3c, 3d, 3e, 4, 5, and 6. Section 6. Request for Provisional Measures In accordance with Article 41 of the Statute of the Court, in Articles 73, 74, and 75 of the Rules of the Court, South Africa requests that the Court indicate provisional measures. In light of the nature of the rights in issue, as well as the ongoing extreme and irreparable harm being suffered by Palestinians in Gaza, South Africa requests that the Court address this request as a matter of extreme urgency. This application describes an exceptionally brutal military campaign by Israel in Gaza, 
which is extensive and ongoing, and which Israel intends to intensify further still. Israel has engaged in and failed to prevent or to punish acts and measures which are genocidal, constituting flagrant violations of Israel's obligations under Articles 1, 3a, b, c, d, and, and e, 4, 5, and 6 of the Genocide Convention. As further evidenced in the materials set out in the application, the acts of genocide in question in breach of Articles 2a, 2b, 2c, and 2d in particular that collectively target the Palestinians in Gaza include inter alia 1. Killing Palestinians in Gaza, including a large proportion of women and children, estimated to account for around 70% of the more than 21,110 fatalities, some of whom appear to have been summarily executed. 2. Causing serious mental and bodily harm to Palestinians in Gaza, including through maiming, psychological trauma, and inhuman and degrading treatment. 3. Causing the forced evacuation and displacement of around 85% of the Palestinians in Gaza, including children, the elderly and infirm, and the sick and wounded, as well as causing the large-scale destruction of Palestinian homes, villages, refugee camps, towns, and entire areas in Gaza, precluding the return of a significant proportion of the Palestinian people to their homes. 4 causing widespread hunger, dehydration, and starvation to besieged Palestinians in Gaza through the impeding of sufficient humanitarian assistance, the cutting off of sufficient water, food, fuel, and electricity, and the destruction of bakeries, mills, agricultural lands, and other methods of production and sustenance. 5. Failing to provide and restricting the provision of adequate shelter, clothes, hygiene, or sanitation to Palestinians in Gaza, including the 1.9 million internally displaced people compelled by Israel's actions to live in dangerous situations of squalor alongside the routine targeting and destruction of places of shelter and the killing and wounding of those sheltering, including women, children, the disabled, and the elderly. 6 failing to provide for or to ensure the provision for the medical needs of Palestinians in Gaza, including those medical needs created by other genocidal acts causing serious bodily harm, including through directly attacking Palestinian hospitals, ambulances, and other health care facilities in Gaza, killing Palestinian doctors, medics, and nurses, including the most qualified medics in Gaza, and destroying and disabling Gaza's medical system. And 7 destroying Palestinian life in Gaza through the destruction of Gaza's universities, schools, courts, public buildings, public records, stores, libraries, churches, mosques, roads, infrastructure, utilities, and other facilities necessary to the sustained life of Palestinians in Gaza as a group, alongside the killing of entire family groups erasing entire oral histories in Gaza, and the killing of prominent and distinguished members of society. 8. Imposing measures intended to prevent Palestinian births in Gaza through the reproductive violence inflicted on Palestinian women, newborn babies, infants, and children. Provisional measures are necessary in this case to protect against further severe and irreparable harm to the rights of the Palestinian people under the Genocide Convention, which continue to be violated with impunity. 
South Africa requested the court indicate provisional measures to protect and preserve those rights as well as its own rights under the convention and to prevent any aggravation or extension of the dispute pending the determination of the merits of the issues raised by the application. South Africa notes that there are other related matters that do not directly engage obligations under the Genocide Convention and are therefore not property within the court's jurisdiction in this case, including the urgent return of Israeli and other hostages. South Africa considers that the provisional measures requested are nevertheless consistent with and capable of assisting towards a progression and resolution of those matters. A. Compelling circumstances require the indication of provisional measures. As detailed above, contrary to Article 1 of the Convention, Israel has perpetrated and is perpetrating genocidal acts identified in Article 2. Israel, its officials and or agents have acted with the intent to destroy Palestinians in Gaza, part of a protected group under the Genocide Convention. The compelling circumstances are set out in detail in the application and include that nowhere is safe in Gaza. Israel is dropping dumb bombs and bombs weighing up to 2,000 pounds on one of the most densely populated places in the world. Palestinians in Gaza are being killed at a rate of approximately one person every six minutes. At least 21,110 Palestinians have been killed to date in Gaza, with a further estimated 7,780 are missing, presumed dead, under the rubble. An estimated 7,729 Palestinian children had already been killed by 12 December 2023. At least 4,700 other children and women are reported missing, presumed dead under the rubble leading UNICEF to describe Israel's military attacks as a war against children. Hundreds of Palestinians in Gaza are being wounded daily, many with life-changing and life-threatening injuries. Besieged and bombed hospitals are no longer able to treat the sick and wounded. Only 13 of Gaza's 36 hospitals are still functioning. 1.9 million Palestinians in Gaza, approximately 85% of the population, have been forcibly displaced from their homes. Palestinians in Gaza are being corralled into ever smaller areas of Gaza without sufficient shelter, where they continue to be bombed by Israel. Israel continues to prevent sufficient humanitarian assistance to Palestinians in Gaza, including preventing sufficient access to food, water, shelter, medicine, and medical assistance. Vulnerable Palestinians, including the sick and infirm, children and expectant mothers, are at particular risk. Infectious diseases are spreading rapidly. International experts are warning of imminent mass starvation. Israel has also failed to prevent or to punish genocide, conspiracy to commit genocide, direct and public incitement to genocide, attempted genocide, and complicity in genocide, contrary to Articles 3 and 4 of the Genocide Convention. Israel denies wrongdoing in relation to its military activities in Gaza and is resisting all calls by South Africa and by the broader international community to prevent and cease the commission of genocide. Instead of ceasing violations of the Genocide Convention, preventing such violations, and punishing their perpetrators, Israel has continued, escalated, and threatened further to escalate its military campaign. 
It is also destroying evidence of its wrongdoing, the mass demolition and clearance of vast areas of Gaza, and the prevention of the return of internally displaced Palestinians to their homes, raises serious concerns about the destruction of evidence and its effect on future investigation into crimes, including the gravest crimes under international law. Israel's killing of large numbers of Palestinian journalists and media workers in Gaza, at least 82 to date, often alongside multiple members of their families, coupled with its attacks on Gaza's telecommunications network, are hampering, hampering scrutiny of Israel's actions against Palestinians in Gaza. So too is Israel's continuing refusal to allow access to Gaza by fact-finders and foreign journalists other than a limited number of journalists permitted to embed themselves with the Israeli army, subject to restrictions and censorship of their reports. Palestinian NGOs and human rights defenders themselves at risk of attack by the Israeli army are not able to document in real time the unremitting acts of genocide and other violations of international law being committed by Israel. B. The Prima Facie Jurisdiction of the Court the court is empowered to indicate provisional measures, quote, if the provisions relied on by the applicant appear prima facie to afford a basis on which its jurisdiction could be founded, but need not satisfy itself in a definitive manner that it has jurisdiction as regards the merits of the case. As set out above, the jurisdiction of the court is founded on Article 36, Paragraph 1 of the Statute of the Court, and Article 9 of the Genocide Convention. Article 9 of the Genocide Convention provides, quote, Disputes between the contracting parties relating to the interpretation, application, or fulfillment of the present convention, including those relating to the responsibility of a state for genocide or for any of the other acts enumerated in Article 3, shall be submitted to the International Court of Justice at the request of any of the parties to the dispute. South Africa and Israel are both United Nations member states and state parties to the Genocide Convention. Both have accepted the jurisdiction of the court under Article 9 of the Genocide Convention without any reservation. They are consequently bound by it. In order for this court to determine whether it has prima facie jurisdiction in order to indicate provisional measures, the matters complained of must themselves be prima facie capable of falling within the provisions of the Convention such that, quote, the dispute is one which the court has jurisdiction rachon materie to entertain. The case law of the court establishes that a dispute is, quote, a disagreement on a point of law or fact, a conflict of legal views or of interests between parties. In order for a dispute to exist, quote, it must be shown that the claim of one party is positively opposed by the other. The two sides must hold clearly opposite views concerning the question of the performance or non-performance of certain international obligations. The existence of a dispute is a matter for objective determination by the court. It is a matter of substance and not a question of form or procedure. For the purposes of deciding whether there was a dispute between the parties at the time of the filing of the application, the court, quote, takes into account in particular any statements or documents exchanged between the parties, as well as any exchanges made in multilateral settings. In doing, it pays special attention to the author of the statement or document, their intended or actual addressee, and their content. 
For the purposes of the indication of provisional measures, the court is not required to ascertain whether any violation of Israel's obligations under the Genocide Convention has occurred. Importantly, as previously held by the court, quote, such a finding which would notably depend on the assessment of the existence of an intent to destroy in whole or in part the group of Palestinians as such could be made by the court only at the stage of the examination of the merits of the present case. Instead, what the court is required to do at the stage of making an order on provisional measures is to establish whether the acts complained of are capable of falling within the provisions of the Genocide Convention. The court does not have to determine that all of the acts complained of are capable of falling within the provisions of the Convention. It suffices that at least some of the acts alleged are capable of falling within the provisions of the Convention. At least some of the acts alleged by South Africa are plainly capable of falling within the provision of the Convention. They have been considered to be capable of falling within the provisions of the Convention by numerous states and United Nations experts and bodies, including the Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Notably, they are plainly capable of falling within the provisions of Article 2A, 2B, 2C, and 2D of the Convention, constituting as they do, one, the killing of Palestinians in Gaza, two, their serious bodily or mental harm, three, the deliberate infliction of conditions of life calculated to bring about the destruction of Palestinians in Gaza, and four, the imposition of measures intended to prevent births within the group. In relation to 2C, the court has previously explained this as including, quote, methods of physical destruction other than killing, whereby the perpetrator ultimately seeks the death of the members of the group. Citing jurisprudence from the international tribunals, the court held that such methods of destruction include, notably, deprivation of food, medical care, shelter, or clothing, as well as lack of hygiene, systemic expulsion from homes, or exhaustion as a result of excessive work or physical exertion. Those international tribunals have also identified the following methods of destruction, quote, subjecting the group to a subsistence diet, failing to provide adequate medical care, and generally creating circumstances that would lead to a slow death, such as the lack of proper food, water, shelter, clothing, sanitation. This court has also determined that forced mass displacement is capable of being considered a genocidal act. The materials relied on in the application constitute clear evidence of the creation by Israel of circumstances plainly capable of constituting those methods of destruction. The evidence regarding the direct and public incitement to commit genocide by Israeli state officials, politicians, and others, as set out above, and the failure by Israel to punish those responsible, are also plainly capable of falling within the provisions of Article 3 and 4 of the Convention. Quote, the above-mentioned elements serve to establish prima facie the existence of a dispute between the parties relating to the interpretation, application, or fulfillment of the Genocide Convention. The dispute concerns Israel's breaches of its obligations under the Genocide Convention, including its failure to prevent and its perpetration of genocide, and South Africa's own obligations under the Genocide Convention to prevent genocide, including by taking actions to influence effectively the actions of persons likely to commit genocide. The court has described the nature of that dispute as follows, quote, A state's obligations to prevent and corresponding duty to act 
arise at the instant that the state learns of, or should normally have learned of, the existence of a serious risk that genocide will be committed. From that moment onwards, if the state has available to it means likely to have a deterrent effect on those suspected of preparing genocide, or reasonably suspected of harboring specific intent, dolus specialis, it is under a duty to make use of these means as the circumstances permit. The court plainly has prima facie jurisdiction to indicate provisional measures in this case as a consequence. C. The rights, the protection of which is sought, their plausible character, and the link between such rights and the measures requested. The court has the power to indicate if it considers that circumstances so require any provisional measures which ought to be taken to preserve the respective rights of either party, pursuant to Article 41 of the Statute of the Court. The power of the court to indicate provisional measures has as its object the preservation of the respective rights claimed by the parties in a case pending the court's decision on the merits thereof. It follows that the court must be concerned to preserve by such measures the rights which may subsequently be abjudged, adjudged by it to belong to either party. At this stage of the proceedings, however, the court is not called upon to determine definitively whether the rights which South Africa seeks to protect exist. It need only decide whether it is satisfied that the rights asserted by South Africa on the merits, and for which it is seeking protection, are at least plausible, i.e., grounded in a possible interpretation of the Convention. Those rights are clearly plausible, having regard inter alia to the statements of the United Nations experts and bodies asserting that there is at the very least a real risk of genocide, which risk gives rise to the obligation to prevent genocide pursuant to Article 1 of the Convention, which is binding on both Israel and South Africa. It also gives rise to obligations binding on Israel not to commit genocide and to punish those who directly and publicly incite to genocide. For the court to indicate one or more provisional measures, there must also be a link between the rights the protection of which is sought and the provisional measure being requested. Such a link clearly exists between the rights claimed by South Africa and the provisional measures requested, which are directly linked to the rights which form the subject matter of this dispute. In relation to the nature of the rights asserted by South Africa under the Genocide Convention, as recently recalled by the court, quote, in such a convention, the contracting states do not have any interests of their own. They merely have, one and all, a common interest, namely, the accomplishment of those high purposes which are the raison d'etre of the convention. Consequently, in a convention of this type, one cannot speak of individual advantages or disadvantages to states, or of the maintenance of a perfect contractual balance between rights and duties. The high ideals which inspired the Convention provide, by virtue of the common will of the parties, the foundation and measure of all its provisions. Having regard to their shared values, all the state's parties to the Convention thus have a common interest to ensure that acts of genocide are prevented, and that if they occur, their authors do not enjoy impunity. As determined by the Court, that common interest implies that the obligations in question are owed by any state party to all the other states' parties of the Convention. 
As a consequence, the relevant provisions of the Genocide Convention generate obligations which may be defined as obligations erga omnes partes, in the sense that each state party has an interest in compliance with them in any given case. Consequently, as recently confirmed by the court, quote, it follows that any state party to the Genocide Convention, and not only a specially affected state, may invoke the responsibility of another state party with a view to ascertaining the alleged failure to comply with its obligations, erga omnis partes, and bring that failure to an end. South Africa seeks hereby, pursuant to that common interest, urgently to protect the rights of Palestinians in Gaza as members of a protected group under the Convention, including their right to exist as a group and their right to be protected from acts of genocide and the risk thereof, from conspiracy to commit genocide, from direct and public incitement to commit genocide, from attempted genocide, and from complicity in genocide. South Africa also seeks to protect the Erga Omnis Partes rights and has under the Genocide Convention as well as the Erga Omnis obligations it has to prevent genocide, which mirror the Erga Omnis obligations of the Convention, with which it is entitled to seek compliance by Israel, including Israel's obligations not to commit genocide, to prevent genocide, and to punish genocide, including acts of genocide, conspiracy to commit genocide, direct and public incitement to genocide, attempted genocide, and complicity in genocide against Palestinians. The court has previously recognized, quote, the universal character both of the condemnation of genocide and of the cooperation required in order to liberate mankind from such an odious scourge. For the purposes of indicating provisional measures, the court does not need to establish definitively that Palestinians are at risk of genocide, that they are being subjected to genocidal acts, or that Israel is otherwise breaching its obligations under the Genocide Convention. Rather, it is sufficient that the obligation of South Africa to act to prevent genocide or the right of South Africa to seek compliance by Israel with its obligations under the Convention not to commit genocide and to prevent and punish genocide and related prohibited acts under the Convention be plausible. Equally, there is no requirement before granting provisional measures for the court to ascertain whether the existence of a genocidal intent is the only inference to be drawn from the material before the court, as this requirement would amount to the court making a determination on the merits. Notably, the fact that the genocidal acts are occurring and not being prevented or punished in the course of an armed conflict or in asserted response to an attack by an armed group has no bearing on whether the rights asserted by South Africa under the Genocide Convention are, quote, at least plausible. The absence of a prior determination of genocide by a court or fact-finding tribunal is similarly no bar to the adjudication by this court of an application under the Genocide Convention, much less a request for the indication of provisional measures. The facts and circumstances described in this application and request for provisional measures establish that the acts complained of, which Israel has committed and is committing, are capable of being characterized at the very least as plausibly genocidal. The requisite dolus specialis can be deduced not only from Israel's conduct against Palestinians in Gaza, but also from clear, repeated dehumanizing statements by Israeli governmental and military officials towards them, 
Indeed, they have been so characterized by numerous heads of state and other state officials and representatives, as well as by large numbers of United Nations experts and various expert human rights organizations and institutions who have repeatedly warned that Israel's actions amount to or risk the genocide of the Palestinian people. Consequently, the rights relied on by South Africa in its request for the indication of provisional measures are at the very least plausible. Indeed, their protection coincides with the very object and purposes of the Genocide Convention. D. The Risk of Irreparable Prejudice and Urgency The court, quote, has the power to indicate provisional measures where irreparable prejudice could be caused to the rights which are the subject of judicial proceedings, or when the alleged disregard of such rights may entail irreparable consequences. In particular, the court has the power to indicate provisional measures, quote, if there is urgency in the sense that there is real and imminent risk that irreparable prejudice will be caused before the court gives its final decision. As the court recently confirmed, the condition of urgency is met when the act susceptible of causing irreparable prejudice can occur at any moment before the court makes a final decision on the case. For the purposes of its decision on a request for the indication of provisional measures in a case involving allegations of violations of the Genocide Convention, the court is not called upon to establish the existence of breaches of the Genocide Convention, but to determine whether the circumstances require the indication of provisional measures for the protection of rights under this instrument, as found to be plausible. As held by the court, this does not require it to make definitive findings of fact or imputability, and the right of each party to submit arguments in respect of the merits must remain unaffected by the court's decision on the request for the indication of provisional measures. In assessing whether the condition of urgency is satisfied in cases involving allegations of genocide in the course of an ongoing conflict, the court typically has regard to whether the population is at risk, is particularly vulnerable, and the fragility of the overall situation, including the likelihood and the risk of the reoccurrence of harm. The court considers a civilian population to be extremely vulnerable, where the military operations have, quote, resulted in numerous civilian deaths and injuries, and have caused significant material damages, including the destruction of buildings and infrastructure, and where attacks are ongoing and are creating increasingly difficult living conditions for the civilian population. In indicating provisional measures, the court has considered the lack of access by many individuals to the most basic foodstuffs, potable water, electricity, essential medicines, or heating, and attempts by a very large number of people to flee from the most affected cities under extremely insecure conditions. The court has also considered the following factors raised by United Nations General Assembly Resolution to be materially relevant in assessing whether the conditions of urgency is satisfied in cases involving allegations of genocide. Quote, attacks on civilian facilities such as residences, schools, and hospitals, and of civilian casualties, including women, older persons, persons with disabilities, and children. The scale of military operations, including their comparison with other conflicts, the deteriorating humanitarian situation in a territory, and the increasing number of internally displaced persons and refugees in need of humanitarian assistance. Similarly, the court has 
had regard to findings of a fact-finding mission considering factors such as the systemic stripping of human rights, dehumanizing narratives and rhetoric, methodical planning, mass killing, mass displacement, mass fear, overwhelming levels of brutality combined with the physical destruction of the home of the targeted population in every sense and on every level. Notably, as the court has underscored, states parties to the Genocide Convention have expressly confirmed their willingness to consider genocide as a crime under international law, which they must prevent and punish independently of the context of peace or of war in which it takes place. Consequently, a state remains bound by the obligations incumbent upon it as a state party to the Genocide Convention, regardless of the fact that there may be an ongoing conflict between armed groups and the military. Such a context does not stand in the way of the court's assessment of the existence of a real and imminent risk of irreparable prejudice to the rights protected under the Convention. Where past violations have occurred, the court has found provisional measures appropriate when it is not inconceivable that they might occur again. The court has also ordered provisional measures in circumstances that were, quote, unstable and could rapidly change, with ongoing tension in the absence of an overall settlement to the conflict. That meant the affected group remained vulnerable. Consequently, any ceasefire to be agreed or any other acts by Israel that could be perceived as capable of ameliorating the circumstances for Palestinians in the short term would not have a dispositive effect and would impact neither on the merit nor the urgency of South Africa's arguments. There is a clear risk of irreparable prejudice to the rights of the Palestinians and to South Africa's own rights under the Genocide Convention. The utmost urgency of the situation is self-evident. Palestinians have suffered and are suffering irreparable harm from genocidal acts by Israel in violation of Article 2 of the Genocide Convention and from Israel's other violations of the Convention, including its failure to prevent or punish direct and public incitement to genocide. Should these violations of the Genocide Convention go unchecked, there is not only a risk but a certainty of further significant and irreparable loss of life and property, serious injury, and an ever-deepening humanitarian crisis. The opportunity to collect and preserve evidence for the merits stage of the proceedings would also be seriously undermined if not lost entirely. As of the date of this application, an estimated 21,110 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza, including at least 7,729 children, 55,243 Palestinians have been injured, including at least 8,663 children, of whom over 1,000 are amputees, disabled for life. Approximately 70% of those killed are said to be women and children. One Palestinian child in Gaza has been killed approximately every 15 minutes since Israel commenced military action in Gaza on 7 October 2023. Thousands more are missing under the rubble. 61 hospitals and healthcare facilities in Gaza have been damaged or destroyed. Many have been placed under siege or have been subjected to forced evacuation, and only 13 hospitals are still partially functioning, weighted under weighed under by mass overcrowding. 311 health workers have been killed, many while working, meaning that many of the wounded, including seriously injured children, cannot access health care. 
An estimated 5,500 women are having to give birth in unsafe conditions every month. Babies are dying from preventable causes. In addition to disease and malnutrition, premature babies have died due to lack of fuel to supply hospital generators. Others have been found decomposing in their hospital cots. Medical staff have been forced to evacuate. Over 60% of homes in Gaza have been damaged or destroyed. Vast swaths of Gaza have been destroyed, including entire villages, refugee camps, towns, and cities that have been or are deliberately being rendered uninhabitable. Israel has made a humanitarian response impossible with constant bombardment, including of safe routes. 1.9 million people, nearly 85% of the population, are displaced, including elderly, wounded, and disabled people living in makeshift tents, lacking any or adequate sanitation and water, in United Nations schools, and with relatives. The entire population is facing starvation. 93% of the population in Gaza is facing crisis levels of hunger, with more than one in four facing catastrophic conditions, with death imminent. Against that background, the Israeli Prime Minister asserted on 25 December 2023, quote, We are not stopping, we are continuing to fight, and we are deepening the fighting in the coming days, and this will be a long battle, and it is not close to being over. The circumstances could not be more urgent. The 2.3 million Palestinians in Gaza, including over a million children, are extremely vulnerable. There is a grave threat to their existence. They are in urgent and severe need of the court's protection. With each passing day that Israel's military attacks continue, further significant loss of life and property is being caused, and grave human rights violations are being committed. There can be no doubt that the requirements for the indication of provisional measures are satisfied here. E. Provisional Measures Requested On the basis of the facts set forth above, South Africa as a state party to the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide respectfully requests the Court as a matter of extreme urgency pending the Court's determination of this case on the merits, to indicate the following provisional measures in relation to the Palestinian people as a group protected by the Genocide Convention. These measures are directly linked to the rights that form the subject matter of South Africa's dispute with Israel. 1. The State of Israel shall immediately suspend its military operations in and against Gaza. 2. The State of Israel shall ensure that any military or irregular armed units which may be directed, supported, or influenced by it, as well as any organizations and persons which may be subject to its control, direction, or influence, take no steps in furtherance of the military operations referred to point 1 above. 3. The Republic of South Africa and the State of Israel shall each, in accordance with their obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinian people, take all reasonable measures within their power to prevent genocide. 4. The State of Israel shall, in accordance with its obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinian people as a group protected by the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, desist from the commission of any and all acts within the scope of Article 2 of the Convention, in particular, a. Killing members of the group, 
B. Causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group. C. Deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. And D. Imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. 5. The State of Israel shall, pursuant to point 4C above in relation to Palestinians, desist from and take all measures within its power, including the rescinding of relevant orders of restrictions and or of prohibitions, to prevent a. the expulsion and forced displacement from their homes, b. the deprivation of 1. access to adequate food and water, 2. access to humanitarian assistance, including access to adequate fuel, shelter, clothes, hygiene, and sanitation, 3. medical supplies and assistance, and c. the destruction of Palestinian life in Gaza. 6. The State of Israel shall, in relation to Palestinians, ensure that its military, as well as any irregular armed units or individuals which may be directed, supported, or otherwise influenced by it, and any organizations and persons which may be subject to its control, direction, or influence, do not commit any acts described in 4 and 5 above, or engage in direct and public incitement to commit genocide, conspiracy to commit genocide, attempt to commit genocide, or complicity in genocide, and insofar as they do engage therein, that steps are taken towards their punishment, pursuant to Articles 1, 2, 3, and 4 of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. 7. The State of Israel shall take effective measures to prevent the destruction and ensure the preservation of evidence related to allegations of acts within the scope of Article 2 of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. To that end, the State of Israel shall not act to deny or otherwise restrict access by fact-finding missions, international mandates, and other bodies to Gaza to assist in ensuring the preservation and retention of said evidence. 8. The State of Israel shall submit a report to the court on all measures taken to give effect to this order within one week, as from the date of this order, and thereafter at such regular intervals as the court shall order until a final decision on the case is rendered by the court. 9. The State of Israel shall refrain from any action and shall ensure that no action is taken which might aggravate or extend the dispute before the court or make it more difficult to resolve. The provisional measures requested are directly linked to the rights which form the subject matter of the dispute. In particular, the first six provisional measures have been requested to ensure Israel's compliance with its obligations under the Genocide Convention, not to engage in genocide and to prevent and to punish genocide, as well as to uphold and reaffirm the rights and obligations of South Africa to prevent genocide, and to protect Palestinians in Gaza from destruction. The last three provisional measures requested are aimed at protecting the integrity of the proceedings before the court and South Africa's right to have its claim fairly adjudicated, including by ensuring the preservation of evidence. South Africa respectfully requests that this request for provisional measures be considered urgently at the court's earliest possible opportunity, including the scheduling of a hearing in person or remotely by video link in the week of 1 January 2024. South Africa reserves its right to request additional provisional measures to prevent irreparable harm to the rights at issue in this case, and or 
to prevent further aggravation of the dispute between the parties should they become necessary during the course of these proceedings. 7. Reservation of Rights South Africa reserves the right to revise, supplement, or amend the terms of this application as well as the grounds invoked. 8. Appointment of Agent South Africa has designated its agent His Excellency Ambassador Visamuzi Philemon Mandoncela, Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of the Republic of South Africa to the Kingdom of the Netherlands. Pursuant to Article 40, Paragraph 1 of the Rules of the Court, all communications regarding this case should be sent to the Embassy of the Republic of South Africa, The Hague, The Netherlands. I have the honor to assure the Court of my highest esteem and consideration. And that completes Part 3 of the application instituting proceedings in the name of the Republic of South Africa against the State of Israel pursuant to Article 41. Separately, I have published Parts 1 and Parts 2 of this application so you can listen to the entire thing. That'll wrap up this episode of You Can't Be Neutral. Once again, if you want to check out any back episodes, you can go to youcan'tbeneutral.com. You can follow me on the Fediverse at Moving Train Media at collectiva.social. And you can listen to this and all my podcasts playing 24-7 at movingtrainradio.com. Thanks for listening.